Sasha. Hey, Spoopney. <gasps> That's me. Yeah. What do little ghosts do before they go to bed? I don't know. What do they do? They take boo-boo baths. And then do they boo-rush their teeth? I sure hope so. It's Spoop Hour. Yay. the whole podcast with those voices we should hi Hi. this is spoop hour a paranormal comedy podcast and then we lost all of our listeners (laughs) hello four of you i'm just kidding there's more than four there's like 13 whenever you're listening to this it could be any time of day but right now it is late on a sunday night because i just got back from a place that's technically three hours away but took five hours to get home yay and i took a i took a hot Boo-boo bath. bath. And have not boo-rushed my teeth yet, but... Which is fine, because we're... we have muffins. I misunderstood what we were doing at a certain <laughs> point. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, we have muffins, and I'm eating that, because my tummy is upset, and muffins will make them better. It's true. I made yeah. muffins today. They are big. They are chunky muffins. Chunky muffins. So, yeah. as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Spoop Hour. Mm-hmm. It's P as in Penguin both times. And you can also send us your stories either of things your parents used to scare you with. So, like, say they didn't want you to touch something hot and they told you it was because the devil would get you. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us about that. And you can do that by emailing spoophour at gmail.com. We are also accepting, as always, any kind of paranormal experiences that you may have had. So if you've ever seen a ghost or had anything weird happen that you just can't explain, go ahead and email that to us. If you write a fun ghost story, we'll read it. We'll read it. If you we'll write be scared. An, if you write an unfun ghost story, we'll read that too. It'll, we'll be more scared We'll then. be more scared, probably. But, you know. Yeah. Did anything spooky happen to you? So, Yes. Yeah, you got really excited about telling me something. I did, and I had to sit on it for multiple days. Because I was out of town, and we did not (laughs) And because we have to to save a lot of stuff to be, you know, on air, which is difficult because we live together. So, (laughs) So how was your day? I can't tell you about it. (laughs) I want to tell you, but I can't, so fuck you. No, (laughs) we actually just don't speak except for this podcast. Yep. So... Veronica underscore Luna, that's Luna with four A's, direct messaged us on Instagram, where we are at Spoop Hour, to say, sorry for this random message, but this reminds me of Courtney's fear of her attic. And I'm like, well, great, this is just going to reinforce it. So go ahead and peep that picture. This is a post from Stoop Malone saying that, quote, my mom been hearing noises in her attic, so she took a selfie stick to see if there were animals living up there. And this is what she got. I hate it. This man has a whole setup in her house. Anyway, the police got him out, but he had been living in her attic for a year. When she would leave the house, he would come down, eat her food, and use her shower. I know this shit sounds straight off criminal minds, but I swear it's real life. Ew, ew, ew. I cannot imagine. So shout out to Stoop Malone for sharing that horrible story. And shout out to Veronica for fully justifying my fear of our attic. I hate that this is like the second story of that happening. Yes. Recently. Recently. Like, what the fuck? Don't live in people's attics. Right? I hate it. Oh. Anyway, I was like, I messaged her back being like, thanks, but also I hate this. <laughs> but thank you. It's it's a really <laughs> uncomfortable photo. It's, ugh. there's um. something so unsettling about a like, an actual person, like, getting caught off guard by a picture. He looks like Gollum. He does. And it's dark, and there's only, like, just enough light so that you can, like, see his little setup. Yeah, but, like, he's got, like, the red eye thing going on. Ugh, I hate it. I hate it's it. Awful, I hate it. Awful. I hate it. Anyway, Veronica, your stickers are in the mail. <laughs> I hope you enjoy them the way I enjoyed, but also hated that story. Yeah. And then the other spooky thing, obviously that's not a spooky thing that sure. happened to me. Presumably our attic is still clean. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I sure hope so. If it wasn't, our third roommate would probably also be hearing noises. That's true. Because she is home at different times. Like, 
our house is weird because we have the three of us and yeah. we're all home at different times. It's true. And so we would definitely hear something if there was something happening. That's true because like basically all hours of the day somebody is home yeah. and awake. Right. Anyway, so the other spooky thing that did happen directly to me. So at work, I was typing away on my computer and then out of nowhere, my work phone just like flew off my desk and like Loki dissembled itself on the floor. But I was just like, well, that's strange. I wasn't anywhere near that. That just, that just went flying. Anyway, yep. I put it back together. It was fine. It's probably a ghost. Did anything spooky happen to you this week? I guess like the spooky thing for like this weekend was that I was a plus one at a wedding where I didn't know anyone except like one groomsman and my boyfriend. Woo! <laughs> and I had a very nice time. Oh, that's good. Everyone was very friendly and Yay. I made a lot of friends. But... I think the spookier thing was today, like, being stuck in traffic in that, like, liminal space. I was live tweeting, mm. some of you people follow me, but there was a point where I was so tired, and I was, like, half awake, half asleep in the back, mm-hmm. and I made a joke, and then I said, shut up, Sasha, and then I yawned, <laughs> and then Jack was like, wow, that yawn sounded like your soul just left your body, and I was like, yeah, her soul did leave her body. <laughs> And then they were like, what? And I was like, whenever her soul leaves her body, another piece of some other soul comes in. (laughs) And I was like half awake saying this and was like, why are you talking in the third person? I love it. And like, so I'm like talking to myself, like half asleep. And Jack and Hockham were like, fuck is happening like i sat up like straight in his chair and he was like please stop whatever is happening please i look forward to hosting the rest of this podcast with whatever now inhabits your body yeah and so then i like kind of fully woke up and was like wait what's happening (laughs) what is happening Um, i love it and then yeah i i look uh, that's the only scary thing was i did not scary like so going to a wedding where you don't know anyone is scary yes but ultimately it wasn't a scary thing that happened Mm. yeah so that was good Good to know that the thing that now inhabits your body isn't afraid of weddings. Right. So I did get recounted a ghost story from my coworker, whose permission I did not obtain to say on this podcast, so I won't leave her name in it. Anyway, basically we're talking about ghosts and whether or not we believe in them, Mm -hmm. and she was like, I firmly did not, but then, and I'm like, okay, tell me everything. And so basically she was at a friend's house, Mm -hmm. and her friend's father had recently passed, like within the past year. Mm -hmm. And her friend was saying, you know, we used to joke that this house had something evil in it because, like, mm-hmm. weird stuff would happen. We just got bad vibes. But ever since my father passed, we get the sense that he's watching over us. And my coworker, nice. yeah, my coworker, we'll call her Chelsea. Mm-hmm. That's not her name. Chelsea's like, okay, I mean, if that, you know, brings you comfort, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's cool. And they were talking about, like, yeah, why do you, th- why do you think there was something evil in here before? Mm-hmm. And they were, like, telling some stories about, you know stuff would move and cupboards would be open and whatever. Mm -hmm. And as they were talking about it, the lights started to flicker out of nowhere. And Chelsea was like, anyway, I'm pretty sure that was her dad. So now I believe in ghosts. Great. (laughs) That always reminds me of like when there's tour guides places Mm -hmm. who are like, I didn't believe in ghosts. And then then this happened. I found out this weekend that one of my doctor friends. Yeah. At this wedding, we were saying, like, oh, we're going to go up to to Buffalo, New York to visit his girlfriend who's mm-hmm. doing a residency up there. And we're gonna, I'm going to make team t-shirts that have stuff about, like, you know, Buffalo Wings weekend, hey. you know, whatever. You know, like, some, some, like, matching team shirts. And he's like, oh, yeah. God, please, no. No, do and it. And then I said, and then we'll make matching shirts for Elmira because that's where he'll be. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, what's in Elmira? He goes, well, there's a lot of Mark Twain shit. I was like, hey! oh, shit, wait, is that where they have his house? And then he was saying that his girlfriend was, like, really excited about, like, the Mark Twain stuff. And I was like, he was like, yeah, because it's, like, all the, you know, author stuff and whatever. And I said, and there's ghosts. There are. And he was like, what? And I was I like, don't there know. are ghosts in the Mark Twain house. I was gonna, so I... I'm excited because I have a potential trip to Elmira. Where That's amazing. Cool. So I'm going to look up real quick. Which I... one it was? Well, I, I don't know if they do the tours year round or if yeah. they just do them at Halloween. Yeah. So I'm going to look up Mark Twain house. Elmira. Elmira, New York. Mm, do they do ghost stuff? But yes, I got really excited. <laughs> Because Mark Twain, so the English... Okay, this is Mark Twain's summer home. Summer home. So, like, so, the, the, the English teacher brain of myself was like... And then the other part of myself was like, no, no horns. ghosts. Uh, ghosts? Maybe not. There probably aren't any ghosts there, but... The Connecticut one, there are ah. for sure ghosts, but I don't know... I don't think that Elmira is Dang. ghost country, I'm sorry. So, I guess... You'll have I... to go to Connecticut. <laughs> 
Guess I won't see any ghosts in Elmira. Yay! So what are we talking about today, Sasha? We're talking about, like, death and stuff. Weird death yeah, stuff. Yeah, weird death stuff. Yeah, so we were talking about doing apparitions, and then yesterday we were driving <laughs> to out of town for this wedding, and we were listening to the podcast Comedy Button, which is by a couple guys who work for IGN, mm-hmm. and... One of them also does like a travel show, mm-hmm. and he recently went to Maine and learned about. He went to like a cemetery that like a lot of people do spooky shit in, mm-hmm. but they have this. He said it was a place where they keep the bodies when the wind cold. It's too cold to bury the bodies mm-hmm. in the winter, and I was like, it's probably like a, some kind of mausoleum. Yeah, but they keep it locked. But every once in a while, like when the weather starts getting a little bit warmer, and like. The ground starts thawing, you have, like, maintenance people who are, like, now grave diggers, like, doing the grave digging, mm-hmm. and they take their breaks, and every once in a while, this happens, happened twice at this funeral home, mm-hmm. or fu- funeral uh, place. C- cemetery, okay. cemetery, that someone lit up a cigarette and exploded <laughs> the mausoleum, <laughs> and there were just, like, dead bodies everywhere, like, just body parts everywhere. Yes! So <laughs> then I was like, what the fuck? And I did a lot of research on exploding bodies. I got a text from Sasha that said, okay, I know I said we were going to do apparitions, but I just heard about exploding corpses and I am shooketh and I need to talk about it. And so, I go, okay, we're doing weird death stuff. Yeah, so, and then, but you're still doing apparitions. <laughs> I'm still doing right? apparitions. Okay. Because so, at that point I was like three stories in and I was like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. So, so I'm to- talking about stuff that's a little off topic only because my brain was like, in pieces it's, after I listened. It's not <laughs> off topic. It's a new topic. It's a so new it's topic. So it's on topic. It's We're on both topic. on topic. We're both and on topic. On time. And whoop, whoop. on muffins. These muffins are so fucking good. You want to know something crazy? Crusties. Oh. Yeah. I they love were, Crusties. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I want to get these for, I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, I was going to go to a funeral, but due to some shit with my car, I wasn't able to go. But yeah. my move, because I, I don't know, I want to help people I, my move is to bring muffins and be like make sure you eat so i got this mix to make muffins because it was a dollar at the grocery store right. and then i didn't go to the funeral and i was like well i'll make the muffin some point we'll make them at some point i'm like well some point was today so can good job crusties yes you can okay. they're for us okay they are for us okay good i made I'm the gonna executive have, like, decision one more <laughs> before bed and one more for tomorrow <laughs> yes, queen. yeah when i it's supposed to make 12 yeah i think i made them too big because i only made 11 mm-hmm. and once I realized I was only going to make 11, I was like, I can't bring these to work because I work with double that. Yeah. And I don't want to be a dick and be like, I only brought enough muffins for half of you. <laughs> Fight to the death. <laughs> <laughs> it's the muffin hunger game. <laughs> anyway, to introduce us to our topic of weird death stuff, I made a game. I'm really proud of the title. The game itself, God only knows. But the title I'm very proud of. This game is called Over My Dead Body. Yes! Okay, <laughs> when you're like, I, I want to tell you the name of the game, but I can't. Yes. I was like, okay, it's going to be good. Yeah. I love it. I thought of the name of the game, and then I worked backwards for like, okay, the game is called Over My Dead Body. What, what, how's this going to work? Oh so, my God, backwards planning. Backwards planning. What's going to happen? I'm going to read a series of 12 statements, and you're going to determine if it's over my dead body, a.k.a. an actual funeral tradition from either history or around the world. Okay. Or if it's something that I made up to trick you. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. All right. So, I'm ready. shout out to the Smithsonian and ideas.ted.com. My body is ready. Uh, over my over your li- living alive body. body. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You don't want to take beef into the afterlife, so bring your list of complaints to read out as you say goodbye for the last time. (laughs) Are you doing the reading? (laughs) Or is someone doing the reading for you? Well, so the idea is somebody's died, and so if you, it's like, oh, that asshole never paid me back that $5 he owes me. At the funeral, you read out. Oh, you read he out. He owed me five dollars, and then that way everybody airs out their shit, and they can go into the afterlife. Unimpeded. That sounds plausible. So over my dead body. No, I made it up. You made it up. That's so funny. It's partially inspired by Festivus. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of problems with you people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're now you can hear about it. As I put in my notes, feel free to do that at my funeral. Like if yeah. you have beef with me, go ahead and say it. I'm dead. I don't care. Let it get it off your chest. Courtney deleted all of my good jokes from our podcast. <laughs> this is where you go back and listen to our archives, and it just sounds like I'm the only person on this podcast. <laughs> No, Sasha, that's just how the editing works out. <laughs> she edited me out of all of the episodes. <laughs> I just didn't tell you. No, I'm just kidding. If, what would this podcast sound like if it was only your bits? Me sinking into madness because it's just me making jokes at someone who isn't there. 
one of these days I'll just release a bonus episode of like a time that I've had to record remotely. <laughs> just and we'll just re- cut your part cut out. Your part, my part out, and then <laughs> upload another part that's just your. Vice <laughs> versa. Oh God, God help us. Oh, anyway, God. you ready for the yes, next I'm one? I'm ready for the next one. I'll see you at the Heart Burning Festival at the Blacksmith's Forge. Like a human heart. Yep. That sounds like. Yeah. Over my dead body. Over my dead body! Yes. In the 1800s during the New England vampire panic, this was something people did because, so basically, they thought a vampire killed their loved one, and generally the vampire was just like tuberculosis, but that's fine. It was a vampire. And so they were like, okay, well, to keep this person from coming back as a vampire, we need to cut out their heart and burn it, and then they won't come back as a vampire. Also, they believed that if you inhaled the smoke, you would not become a vampire, too. So let's just all (laughs) inhale this heart smoke. Yes, I'm sure a bunch of people got tuberculosis this way. But this is something they did in the 1800s in New England. Crazy. I love it. Yeah, most of the time this was like a secretive thing because people weren't proud of the fact that they were this afraid of vampires. But in Vermont, sometimes it genuinely was a party. And there was a historical account of one being held at the Blacksmith's Forge. And everybody's like, hey, let's burn that heart. (laughs) Burn, 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 burn. (laughs) Burn that heart in this forge. Anyway. Oh, you like those beads? Thanks. They're made out of my great-grandma's ashes. Over my dead body. Over my dead body. In South Korea, burial beads, sometimes called death beads, sprung up in response to a law in 2000 that basically they were running out of space for graves. Mm -hmm. So the law passed that after 60 years, you have to dig up the person and do something with them. So probably cremate them. So companies came out that could turn cremated ashes into these beads that yeah. you would then display in your home oh. so that you still have your loved one with you. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. When my uncle Gary passed a couple months ago, uh-huh. my uncle Eric, you know, got the urn. Mm-hmm. You can buy anything from Amazon.com. Yeah, you can. Just, like to plug our future overlords. Yeah. you can. <laughs> if you need a jar for cremated ashes, Amazon.com. They use, got it. Use Prime and it's two-day delivery. Use so promo code Spoop Hour. I'm just kidding. We're not funded by oh, them. Oh, God, no. But, but he got a pendant that he could like put Gary in that's sweet and so carry around with him and so I think he got a couple for Gary's sisters as well and so it's like yeah he's like just hanging out yeah that's sweet yeah yeah I I like that idea (laughs) I like Like, that idea too I've I've said for a while I think you knew this when I die I want to be made into a tree so they do this thing where you get cremated and they put a seed in you and then you get turned into a tree and it's like an eco-friendly way to die I want to do that so Look for me as a tree in the future. All right, you ready for the next one? Court tree. Court tree. Oh my God, I just realized that my burial plans are a pun. Yes. Amazing. Anyway. I'll try to outlive you. <laughs> Please do, just <laughs> so that sure you can make that pun. I can make that pun. And there's two songs I want played at my funeral. One is a Doctor Who joke, and even though I'm not that into Doctor Who anymore, it was the a good joke, joke is really funny, yeah. so I still want Toxic by Britney Spears yes. played at my funeral, and also Long Live the Queen by Frank Turner, yes, that's which a is a song. very hopeful song yeah. when someone passes. Anyway, you ready? Yes, over my dead body. <laughs> Cart your way to heaven. Get ceremonially buried with a wagon wheel to ensure a smooth journey. <laughs> Rock me, mama, like a wagon. <laughs> uh, no, that's not real. I made it up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good instincts. All right. Mama, rock me. <laughs> <laughs> to confuse nefarious spirits, make sure your outfit matches the deceased's so that they can have safe passage. That sounds fake. That is fake. Okay. I made it up. It's yeah. slightly based on how on Samhain there are all the evil spirits and you have to try okay. to confuse them. Anyway. <laughs> Chop up that body and drop it on a mountaintop. It's going back to the earth whence it came. Over my dead body. Yep. Yep, that sounds real. (laughs) Sky burial is performed by Vajrayana Buddhists in Mongolia and Tibet as they believe that the soul moves on at death, but the body is now just an empty vessel. So that vessel should get returned to the earth. And as of 2013, about 80% of Tibetans chose this for their funereal arrangements. When I hear empty vessel, I just think Kingdom Hearts. Anyway, move on. Anyway, chop it up and put them on a mountain. Hand check. Seriously, everybody hold up your hands during the ceremony to show that you haven't been grave robbing. Is that like a really old timey over my dead body? Or no, you made it up. No. Stop looking at me. <laughs> I'm just going to see how many times you change your answer. What's um, your final answer, okay, Sasha? Okay, okay, okay. Over my dead body. I made it yeah, up. Uh, okay. But good instincts. Yeah. Ish. Yes. Ish. <laughs> No, this happened to me earlier today, where, or yesterday too, where I just like keep changing my mind at the last oh. possible second. 
because I don't trust my gut. Trust your gut. I should. Sometimes it betrays you, but you should still yeah, trust it. Yeah, my gut betrayed me earlier because I ate too many greasy foods. It's because you didn't trust it. Because I didn't trust it. I yeah. shouldn't have ordered what I ordered. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. Funeral time. All right. Dress up that body. Sit it on a chair and put a cigarette in its lips. <laughs> That's how Uncle Gary wanted to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love him so much. Um, this is how I'm mourning. Um, yeah, that's fine. I'm sure uh, he loves it. You made it up. Over my Wait, dead I body. In what? the Philippines, oh. this is a Tinguian tradition. So they genuinely, like, if somebody dies, they prop them up in a chair, and then it's like a last moment for everybody to see them that's as they cool. were. Right? A lot of these, like, I was worried that this game would come off as disrespectful, but I cannot emphasize enough that all of these real traditions sound fucking badass, and I'm like, we gotta up our funeral game. That's awesome. Right? Like, what? they started the list with New Orleans jazz funerals, and I'm like, I mean, it's gonna be hard to top New Orleans jazz funerals. Those are so baller. And yet, and yet the world fucking did it, because it's awesome. That's so cool. You know, yeah. I feel like I've... My might have seen something like on TV, like yeah. on National Geographic or something about, about that. that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Right, really interesting. All wow. right, you ready for yes. the next one? Mm. Great Grandpa is spinning in his grave. No, seriously. Every so often, we take him out of the crypt, spray him with wine, and then pop him back in. <laughs> Seven to ten more hours. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, over my dead body? Over my dead okay, body. Where is this from? In Madagascar, the Malagasy people practice fama dihana, or the turning of the bones. Every five to seven years, the loved one is exhumed, sprayed with wine or perfume, and then reinterred during a lively festival with music, stories of the dead, and blessings all around. That's cool. Right? It's so nice. You just oh, got, it's like you check in on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's sweet. That's awesome. Soak great granddad's feet in salt water to prepare him for his ride on the river Styx. You made that one up. I made that one okay. up. Yep. <laughs> You're like, that doesn't sound real. <laughs> All right, you ready for the next one? Yes. Encourage symmetry by not burying the body until the deceased's next birthday comes up. That sounds plausible. So you're going to say over my dead body? You got to say it. Over my dead body. Nope, I nope, made it up. you made it up. Inspired by how, wasn't it Shakespeare who was born and died on the same day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are sick, and I don't think they'll make it. Time to pick out a tree to put them in. <laughs> Did you make this up because you want to be in a tree? No, it's no, over it's my a- dead body. <laughs> the Caveteño people in the Philippines bury okay. their dead in a hollowed-out tree trunk. That's awesome. So when someone is very, very sick, they pick out the tree that will soon house their loved one. Mm. I respect it because I, I also well, want, to want to be, to be a, a tree. tree when I die. But, like, wow. they were doing it first, and they're probably doing it better than court tree. Court tree. <laughs> Amazing. And that's over my dead body. That was really fun. Thank you. I was, was really very proud of that Informational, one. too. I love that. I love when they're edutainment. I hope right. you learned something. I hope you now have changed your funeral plans. Yeah. Because, like, these are fucking baller. Those are awesome. Those are more creative than anything I've come up with. Right? Yeah. I was like, I'm so cool. I'm going to be a tree. And I knew they, like, launch people into space and shit. But these are all way cooler. So, up your coffin games. Nice. All right, you want to so, tell me about some exploding bodies? Yeah, so while we're still on the topic of, yeah, this stuff. <laughs> so, okay, so I I understand the concept and the science behind this. Yes. But that I was able to find several different <laughs> stories where this thing has happened mm-hmm. is a little bit scary. <laughs> okay, mm. so the first one in June of 1977, in Glendale, uh, it must have been California. Del- no, I think this is in Delaware. Oh, okay. Basically, they they had just in their newspapers, in their like archive, there was an explosion <laughs> at a cemetery because <laughs> of like it. W- they said it was a sewer, but then it. <laughs> It caved in a lot of the streets, and I think caved in also the cemetery. Oh my like, god! Okay, that's okay. That's, that's, that's fine. Massive right? sinkhole. Okay, but so okay. cemetery explosion. Sure. Okay, sure. Totally but normal. Within the spirit of what I like was listening to on this podcast, <laughs> this is a thing that happens every once in a while. Yeah. Where like a great like mausoleum worker mm-hmm. might like come in to check, like check on the bodies or like mm-hmm. make sure no one's like broken into like vandalize the place Mm -hmm. but every so often there are these reports of people coming through and realizing that inside the mausoleum like maybe inside like the the um, marbled Mm -hmm. you know walls that a body has exploded inside (laughs) 
So bodies are exploding because when you have a dead body, you need to keep it cool. Yes. Right? And the idea is like that, kind of like with Tupperware. Uh-huh. When you start, if you, <laughs> let's say you have like spoiled leftovers on Tupperware. Your and death Tupperware, right? Your death Tupperware. It starts expanding, right? Uh-huh. And then when you open it, it's noxious gases. <laughs> so with humans, uh-huh. we are meat. Sure. And when we seal up a body in an environment that locks up heat, humidity, heat and humidity, the anaerobic bacteria takes over. Oh. And so you're going to rot regardless, even if you're sealed. That's why even like within the caskets that are heavy duty and Mm -hmm. have many layers, you're still going to rot to some degree. Mm -hmm. Also, these like the chemicals and bacteria and everything are creating heat. Yeah. um, And gas. And gas as you're decomposing. Yeah. So... Basically, it become your casket or your mausoleum space becomes uh-huh. a pressure cooker, <laughs> and it pressure reduces cooker. bodies to a chunky brown <laughs> slurry. Oh my god! So basically, you pull out the casket yep. from the mausoleum, Light. and it's just like full of brown mud. <laughs> but what happens is every so often there is an explosion, and it's pressurized, and there will be like. It's not a boom, but uh-huh. it's the lid popping, and then fluid and gas come running out of the marble. Oh. So. Honestly, I'm just thinking of, like, back in the day, they probably didn't bury people super far down. Right. I wonder how frequently those bodies exploded, and I wonder if that's where we get zombies from. Yeah, like they would pop up to the surface yeah, after a really bad like, rainstorm. They'd just see, oh my god, something exploded with supernatural force out of here. Oh my god, that person's a zombie. Yeah, and because like maybe like their bones will probably still be in there. Yeah, all the fleshy part god. is the the slurry. Yeah. So yeah, so the idea that your casket is protective and will seal you in is not necessarily like holding true. You're really better off doing like becoming a tree or one of these other alternative burial methods. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2013 in Melbourne in Australia. The, there, there was heat in January, obviously, because they're in the Southern Hemisphere, yeah. and a corpse exploded in a crypt, <laughs> and it oozed fluids, again, down the granite faces of the vaults below. I'm just going to throw this out there, but Corpse Explosion would be an incredible band name. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it... But people... This is like a frequented mausoleum, and so oh, the no. smell became super unbearable, and it was summer, and oh, there are no. bugs, and... Basically, like, the bugs started swarming in as well. Oh, no. And, And like, Australia isn't like the U.S. in that not everywhere is, like, air-conditioned shit. Yeah. So I wonder if that mausoleum had any kind of ventilation happening. Right. And so, yeah, so, like, what I was, was hearing from this other podcast was up in Maine, Uh where it's not necessarily a mausoleum, it's just like a cold storage facility outside while they were like waiting for the earth to soften up so they can start digging again. Mm -hmm. These bodies are just left and they're, you know, the hope is that they won't be decomposing or too decomposed before it's time to like put them in the ground. Mm -hmm. But even within the caskets, yeah, the gases are still like piling up. And so after the second time that Mm -hmm. someone lit a cigarette and exploded everything, (sighs) they finally put in a chimney (laughs) to let the gases... And presumably a very strict no-smoking policy. Right, to let the air kind of aerate. In 2016, though, there was a... From Mirror in the UK. Mm -hmm. The headline was, World's Creepiest Mausoleum Where Rotting Corpses Left in Disintegrating Caskets on Metal Shelves Goes Up for Sale. Ooh. It was reopened after 18 years of neglect as the skeletons are being handed back for reburial. So basically what happened was... In Kentucky, Mm -hmm. there was a place called Memorial Mound, and it was an underground burial site opened by a former grave digger who was fascinated with the afterlife. And so this was created by Clyde Booth, and he opened this in 1992, but in 2000, he went out of business, and it was closed to relatives of the dead and buried inside. That seems fucked up. Right? Like, I get, okay, your mausoleum goes out of business. You You gotta give the bodies back. Right. Those aren't yours. And so... They left the corpses unkempt, and they left the inhabitants to rot, and they finally went and, like, opened its doors 
to like, I guess maybe sell, you know, repurpose, like get the bodies out for the families. Yeah. And they found these bodies just rotting in bags inside of disintegrating caskets. Ugh. And so the site is now listed for, of, of the publishing, it was listed for sale, but not including the corpses. <laughs> oh, um, those are extra. So the, you can, are you squeamish about skeletons? No. No, okay. So like, that's one of the, it's just. It doesn't even look real. Right. It just looks like almost like a. Like Pile a Halloween, yeah. And like a like skull, a, yeah. Like you're going through the haunted house and you're like, oh, spooky. Right. And so the 14 years um, of neglect that it had left the skeletons dirty and, you know, brown in color as the bones were just kind of like thrown. It looked like oh. the bones were just thrown into the plastic bags. Whereas what I was saying, the slurry, mm-hmm. it just gooped, pro- out. gooped out, right? The coffins were left to, you know, decompose. They were placed in unusual structures as well. And, like, that weren't, like, sealed or anything like that. Yeah. And then the floors, walls, and curtains within the viewing section were dirty and ripped, you know, even though they would have been pristine, like, to original viewers. So, like, yeah. here's another photo of it. It just yeah. looks it, like it, mud. It's very strange. Yeah, like, here's just one casket kind of hanging out above. Oh, that's very strange. That's, that's, some, like, that's, like, where they put the Ark of the Covenant at the end of that movie. Right, but you can see, like, the casket's falling apart. Yeah. And it's, like, covered in muck. Yeah. Yeah. We'll post one of these pictures and not the other (laughs) yeah i'll post the picture of the like lone casket yeah and then you can seek out i'll cite where this came from so you can seek out if you're not squeamish the other photos and the where like this this facility basically where the bodies were prepared also had materials like kerosene oh good that's a great thing to have set on fire in your mausoleum um and it's funny because this guy, not funny haha, just like funny strange. Yeah. This guy opened this site in this like special mos- underground mausoleum because he was sick of seeing unkempt graves left to become ruins. Whereas this place was closed for 14 years. And yeah, it's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. So gross. Blech. Yeah. Go and look for Memorial Mound and see see what happens. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's real gross. It's something. The guy passed away in 2009, and oh. so, like, he's not even, he wasn't even around for them to, like, question about, like, what the fuck I just happened. I feel like that should be not allowed. I feel yeah. like if your mausoleum goes under, one, yeah. the body should go back right. to the people, who, or, like, if it gets bought out by yeah. another mausoleum, you gotta, like, notify people. Right. And then, two, even if that doesn't happen, like, maybe you should... I don't know, especially like once he died and right. they were just like, oh, well, nobody needs to worry about these yeah. bodies that we just let and sit people in had, Kentucky, you said? Yeah, it was Kentucky. And the yeah, people it gets were, hot there. Right. And people were breaking in and vandalizing Ugh. it too, which is really gross. Yeah, um, shitty. But yeah, in 2014, the police finally stepped in and released the bodies back to the families. Five years after he died. Yeah. That's fucked. That's really fucked up. Yeah. Get better, and, Kentucky. So uh, yeah, so it's a really gross story, but if you want to look up <laughs> Memorial Mound, it's it's gross. Not not the bones, but just like the it's icky. the The business part of it was really icky. I I wasn't gonna go into it, but yeah. He also was trying to like rip off basically. He was like saying like ancient Indian burial traditions, oh, which is also kind of like gross. Great, you're trying to co opt something that probably isn't even. Congratulations, yeah. you're problematic for like seven different reasons. Right. So really hit that problematic jackpot. So don't light cigarettes in mausoleums. <laughs> um, know that your body will not be pristine forever. Why not get cremated? Yeah. <laughs> Why not get stuck in a tree or have a tree stuck in yeah. you? Being being cremated is expensive, but. Worth it. Worth it. Yeah. So, I mean, you and I would know, because we're ghosts. Yeah. Our bodies are actually just, like, in jars right now. Yeah. As yeah. we've explained, we're always naked when we record this podcast. It's because we're ghosts and we can't physically we wear clothes. We have no corporeal form. Yes. Except for my Batman blanket that I wear as a cape sometimes. But it's just a floating cape. It's, it's just a... a flo- it's, it's a ghost cape. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, you want to tell me about some apparitions? I absolutely do. So this is going to be less gross. So high fives all around. Yeah. This Brown is just... slurry. <laughs> <laughs> Go have some Campbell's chunky stews. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing nefarious laugh. <laughs> all right, what is a crisis apparition? Because that's the kind I'm going to be talking about. Oh shit. It is the ghost-like appearance of a friend, family member, or loved one at the precise moment that that individual is undergoing some form of trauma. Oh, no. So that can be extreme fright. It could be that they're in danger of some kind, or it could be even that they're dying or have died. Sometimes they have a message of peace, or they have some unfinished business. Mm -hmm. So, like, my great-grandma's cousin, who 
her husband came back after he suddenly died to show her where he had buried all of his money, that would be technically a crisis apparition because he had unfinished business. He popped back in. Sure. And then was never seen again. Other times they show up to warn of impending danger for the person seeing them. Mm. Unlike ghosts, these spirits may not be of those who are dead, like I said before. Mm-hmm. They could just be if somebody's undergoing trauma. Right. So you then see them and then you know, oh, something's going on. And also, unlike ghosts, they're typically only seen once and then okay. never again. That's spooky. Though. I'm, I'm like still stuck on the part where they could be alive and just having a crisis somewhere. Yes. That's, so, oh, jeez. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Okay. So hold on tight, buddy. According to certain lore, crisis apparitions don't typically speak, but stories I've heard feature warnings and monologues, so I don't... I yeah. don't know how, like, official... ESP? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> like, I have... Basically, most of my research is just, like, first-hand accounts of people sure. who have experienced crisis apparitions, and there are definitely different kinds of different ways in which they communicated. I think you and I talked about this last week when we were podcasting with Courtney. Yeah. But that... For those who don't know, Courtney from the Cult of Domesticity podcast. But... That you have to take everything that's on this podcast with a grain of salt, because mm-hmm. even as we do research and look for like different articles and reports and stuff on things, a lot of this stuff is it's it's very it's, fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, you like, can't say it's totally false or totally true. It's not an exact science. It's not. It's barely science. <laughs> I don't know that it is science. Anyway, maybe just PSI and yes, PSI Yeah. I saw that's um in Persona Five the video game they talk about like cognitive science yeah. but science is spelled P S P S I and P S I was coming and, up a lot actually in my research because as the next sentence of my notes says um, well it's gone now oh there it is they're considered a variation on telepathy or a hallucination yeah so depending on if you want to go the sciencey route which is like you just hallucinated and then you experienced a trauma right so then you went back and reinterpreted your hallucination yeah or you're telepathic and yeah. you connected with someone. So you're like super worried about someone's well-being or it's a coincidence yeah, or, or someone has died but... And then you have a nightmare about that person yeah. and then your dates get fuzzy because you've gone through trauma and right. you're, not, you're not thinking sharply. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so a lot of reasons this could happen. Yes. Anyway, the figure in a crisis apparition tends to appear as a solid, lending the person viewing them to believe that they are actually seeing the real person. But in some cases, the person can have a slight glow, so a little more ghostly. I will talk about a video game crisis apparition oh, okay. after. I was no, like, are I'm you putting, about to tell me no. you've seen a crisis apparition? Like, because I will flip my shit. I'm putting everything together now, right? Whoa. So, okay. So, yeah. You- Sasha's connecting her red yarn. Yes. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, those who see crisis apparitions tend to be comforted, particularly in cases where the apparition of someone who is dying or has recently died. Mm-hmm. Basically, they show up, they tell their loved one, I'm okay, and then they disappear. And these apparitions are particularly common during wartime. Sure. So, which makes sense, given yeah. the large number of people going through trauma and how many people die during war. Right. So... It also shows up frequently in Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction. Mm-hmm. So on our like calendar of future content, I described it as apparitions in parentheses, Beyond Belief type stories. Yep. So think about if you've ever watched Beyond Belief, there's the episode with the woman who called her family to summon them to this particular jazz club after her plane <laughs> had crashed. Yep, that episode, yeah, that's definitely a crisis apparition. Or the dude in the wheelchair who showed up to guide a kid who had been bitten by a rattlesnake in the forest. And then they're like, there hasn't been a man in a wheelchair who was a doctor here in 37 years. Yeah, or the one where, like, the oh, we found a house that we could have shelter in. Yeah, That kind of thing. Yes. Or um, what was it? The guest book? The guy? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, he, the, it's, I think it's in the first episode. But basically this guy comes to his own funeral, like, yeah. after hours. And then he puts a medal on the body because he wanted to be buried with his medals and he didn't have them. Yeah. And he signed the guest book with his name. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so let's do some stories. Yes. The Tale of Uncle Bert from Europaranormal.com, which cited the 1939 book Apparitions in Haunted Houses by Sir Ernest Bennett, which broadcast on BBC Radio for the first time in 1934. Citations on citations. I love that he's a sir. Yes. (laughs) Sir Ernest Bennett doing important work. Doing important work about apparitions. (laughs) Miss Vivian Lee grew up in Manchester, England, and when she was eight, her beloved Uncle Bert passed away. 
Because Vivian was so young, no one explained to her why Uncle Bert didn't come visit anymore, leaving her little child brain to wonder what was going on. That's so sad. In her words, quote, I used to wonder if he were happy and think of him often. Time passed, and, as is natural at that age, I ceased to worry to some extent, but often when alone, I still questioned where he was. I thought only if I could see him just once, I would be satisfied. Sure. Little Vivian was left to wonder what happened to her beloved uncle for one fucking year. Wow. Like, that's some shitty parenting. Yeah, Explain can... to your kid something that happened. Yeah, kids, kids will get it. Yeah, like, and if you don't, guess what? You're just kicking the trauma ball down the road a little bit. Yeah. Like, fuck you, parents. Anyway, it was 1916. They it also was... didn't think that kids were people at that point. That's true, because so... children weren't people legally until, like, probably the 60s. I don't know. I'm not a historian. Anyway. A little bit after that when they stopped child labor. Yeah. Yeah, There we go. (laughs) There we go. Anyway. So, one morning in 1917, while playing with her dolls, Vivian looked up toward her bedroom window and saw none other than her Uncle Bert. Uncle Bert! She said, Bunny, Bunny being her maid who was at home with her at the time, there is Uncle Bert. Bert was semi-transparent and standing outside the window, but other than the bricks that you could see through his ghostly body... He looked happy and fine. He held his arms out to Vivienne and somehow communicated to her that he was okay and that she didn't need to worry anymore. Aww. I say communicated, and we got into this a little bit a second ago. Basically, Vivian said he didn't speak, just somehow she knew, she knew that he was mm-hmm. communicating all of this, so she just sensed he, him saying, I'm, I'm okay. good, I'm happy, you don't need to worry anymore. So Vivian and Bunny, the maid, raced out the door to try to get to him and, like, touch him and be like, oh, my God, Uncle Bert, I've been so worried about you. But by the time they made it back to the window, Bert had slowly glided away and vanished. Bunny, the maid, corroborated the story later, saying that she heard Vivian cry out and saw the figure of Bert. Although, Bunny, the maid, said she didn't actually see the face of the guy at the window. So it could have just been a guy. As I put in my notes, it's possible that it was just some creep looking at a little girl's window, not Uncle Bert, but where's the fun in that? Right, and she hadn't seen him in a while. She's a little girl. She yeah. probably was like, that guy is white and vaguely looks like my that Uncle Bert. That could be Uncle Bert. And then Bunny the maid is like, I don't know, it was a slim white guy. Could have been Uncle Bert or could have been your friendly neighborhood pervert. We don't know. <laughs> it's fine. Bert Bert. Bert Bert. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. That's okay. <laughs> uh, we have fun. We have fun here. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about Pat Ferguson's Spooky Susie. As I, I gave these their titles, but I had some. I love it. This was related by Michael Licona of the website risenjesus.com to his friend randallrouser.com. So maybe take it with many grains of salt. Dot com. Dot com. So like... Michael, who told the story of Pat Ferguson, describes himself as, like, he didn't say a resurrectionist, but, like, basically he believes that people are constantly coming back. Okay. So, he maybe is biased, but, okay, so here's my deal. My deal. I think you all know from listening, usually I, like, rewrite the stories that I come across. I did not do this with this, because the way he has written it is really something, and I was like, I cannot improve this. This is, this is how it's gonna be. Also, if everyone's coming back, we're coming back at like an alarming rate because we right? have exponentially grown. Yeah, we have way more people now. So Ooh, like, ever existed. So like, like the fuck. What? <laughs> what? Anyway. Okay. <clears throat> these are Michael's words. Also, these are don't at me on my math. I know what I said. <laughs> don't apologize. Yeah. At some point, there were probably like two hundred people. Yes. Seven billion is exponentially more than that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. At me on my math, cowards. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Quote. On Saturday, April 6th, my boyfriend's birthday, 1974, not my boyfriend's birthday. That was me. That's not Michael saying his boyfriend was born on my boyfriend's birthday. Oh, he had a boyfriend. He had a boyfriend. It was so nice. Anyway, Pat began having feelings of concern for a girl she had only met once several years prior. We'll call her Susie. Later that night, Pat was awakened. The room was completely dark, whereas streetlights normally provided some light. When she closed her eyes to return to sleep, an eerie feeling led her to reopen them. When she did, she saw Susie's face. The face was about 1.5 feet from her own and had an appearance that was somber and eerie. Pat closed her eyes. When she reopened them, she saw Susie's face even more vividly. Once again, she closed her eyes and pinched herself, thinking she was experiencing a dream or a hallucination. 
When she reopened them, she saw over the girl's right shoulder the face of a man whose skin was completely red. God. (laughs) No, actually, except for where lines in his face around the nose and mouth were inset with black. She thought it was Satan. Not God, Sasha. Sorry. (laughs) Starting to get scared. Oh, honey. Yeah. And it paralyzed her with fear. She closed her eyes and reopened them once again and still saw both faces. She closed her eyes and began to say the Lord's Prayer, the only thing she could think of. She closed her prayer in Jesus' name, and when she opened her eyes, the faces were gone and the street lights were on. She looked at her clock and it read 2.30. See, it's not the witching hour. It's fine. It's fine. We're fine. We're all good. Pat then fell into a deep sleep until around 6.30 when she woke up. It was Palm Sunday, April 7th, risenjesus.com. She walked downstairs and into the dining room where her dad was reading the newspaper. When he saw Pat, he took the section of the newspaper he was reading, tossed it over to her and said, Do you know this girl? You know, the way your dad does with the obituaries. Pat looked at the article and saw the heading, Girl Falls from Scope, which was the name of the local arena. The girl who had fallen was Susie. There had been a Kenny Loggins and Messina concert that evening at the Scope. (laughs) Sorry, Kenny Loggins. Right? (laughs) Highway to the... Danger zone! (laughs) At the end of the concert, she and her friends were sitting on a short wall behind the seats at the very top. She had fallen backwards, off the wall, and down to the floor about two stories below. The article said she was declared dead around 2.30 a.m. in the hospital. That sounds like Maude Flanders. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But instead of getting a t-shirt cannon and falling off the bleachers, it was after the Kenny Loggins concert. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> You're good. You ready for the next one? Yes. Okay. This one's a little more lively. Most of yeah. them aren't scary. That's yeah, yeah. probably no, as scary as it's going to get in that one. But is why Satan? Because he's his website is risenjesus.com. Okay. Sure. Like, he, there's a bias there. There is a bias. There. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Mrs. Church and her brother. This story came from imaginespirit.com. Okay. So right off the bat, maybe not completely truthful given that their website url is imagine spirit yeah but we're just gonna go with it we're gonna go with it while on vacation with her husband in india mrs john church first name not shared because who cares we just need to know that she is married and therefore property of her husband anyway mrs john church awoke in the night during her stay at the old imperial hotel she heard her brother david call out her name And as I put in my notes, still name not mentioned, so I assume he said Mrs. John Church. (laughs) But David should have been in Goshen, New York. Goshen? Goshen? I don't know. I don't know. Goshen. Whatever it is. Cake by the Goshen. (laughs) (laughs) I am slap happy. I love it. I really like that song, too. (laughs) Anyway. Her brother should have been in that city in New York where he ran a charter air service. Surprised, Mrs. Church opened her eyes and found David standing a few feet from the bed, which again, she's in India, so she's like, David, David, what you doing here? He was wearing his pilot's uniform, but his face was completely blank with no features at all. Mrs. Church pinched herself, glanced around to make sure she wasn't dreaming, and even touched her husband's sleeping form, all of which confirmed that she was awake and somehow she was staring at her brother who was in the room with her, inexplicably. She was shaken up, but after a few moments, he slowly dissolved away and disappeared, starting with his head downwards, and he hadn't said anything, so she was like, I mean, I guess. For the next few weeks, Mrs. John Church waited with bated breath for news from the States, but no bad news came. When they finally moved back to the U.S., Mrs. Church told her brother about her experience in India. Her brother's face fell, and he recounted a terrifying story about a nightmarish flight he was piloting. A time when both engines of his aircraft had failed and his plane plunged towards the earth. Ah. Somehow, one engine miraculously started up again and he was able to land safely. As far as they could tell, these incidents occurred very close to one another. Uh Uh-huh. So that's one of the instances where it would be a trauma. So he thought he was going to die because his plane was crashing. And he, she was seeing his corporate, like, She a saw him in India, and then oh. his plane was like, J.K. Law, and they were able to land okay. Oh, wow. Right? So she could have, like, one chance more to see him just in case things went very wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then it was like, J.K. Law, he's fine. All right. Now we're going to talk about Mrs. Paquet. Paquet? Paquet. Paquet. Mrs. Paquet and her brother. This also came from ImagineSpirit.com. Mrs. Paquet's brother worked on a tugboat in Chicago's harbor. One morning, Mrs. Paquet woke up in a terrible mood that she couldn't shake, which, like, mood. 
I feel that. <laughs> the feeling got worse when she walked into her kitchen for some tea, turned around, and saw her brother Edmund standing a few feet away from her with his back turned. Edmund was falling forward, seemingly being pulled by two loops of rope wrapped around his legs. But the vision only lasted a moment as Edmund slowly disappeared over a low railing. Mrs. Paquet dropped her tea and called out, My God, Ed is drowned. Sure enough, shortly thereafter, Mrs. Paquet received word that her brother had fallen overboard while at work and drowned. But oddly, that event occurred six hours before her vision. That sucks. Right? Like, if you're going to crisis apparition, like, don't do it like, anyway, this is how I died. Bye! Frick. <laughs> right? I did have, so I had this book growing up called, I think it was called Could It Be True? And it was just a bunch of like... Believe it or not. It was basically believe it or not. Believe it. Factor. Fic, beyond belief. Factor fiction. That's the name of the goddamn show. It was basically that, but in a book. Okay. And I got it from the Scholastic Book Fair, so you oh, know it was yeah. quality. I got it at the same time as my favorite book at the time, which was True Tales of Animal Heroes. Anyway. So there was a story in there about how this woman was at a bar and all of a sudden, her hand started to, like, really hurt. And she was like, what the fuck? What the right. fuck? What the fuck? And so she decided to leave the bar early and go home. And she decided to swing by her mom's house, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And on the way to her mom's house, like, she interrupted her mom getting, like, burglarized in some way. Ugh. And her mom had been stabbed in the hand while <sighs> fending off the attacker. So that's why she felt the pain in her hand. Ah! And then she went home and saved her mom's life. Oh, my God. Could it be true? Probably not. But whatever. It was the 90s. We didn't fact check things then. <laughs> so that's like my kind of crisis apparition. Yeah. Where it's like, wow, my hand hurts. I'm going to go home. And then because you went home early, you helped your mom. Well, I told you about like the weird things that happened after my Uncle Gary died. And like people were like calling my, my Uncle Eric and being like, did he pass? Because they were, like, having, like, weird... Maybe not necessarily apparitions, but, but just, like, just, like weird, weird feelings. feelings were happening. Ooh, yeah. Spooky. spooky. All right. Nina DeSanto and her friend Michael, as told to CNN. So you know it true. No. You know it true. That's their motto. CNN. You know it true. One cold winter night, New Jersey's Nina DeSanto was closing her hair salon when she noticed someone outside her door. Her friend and regular customer, Michael. Okay. Nina opened the door for him, mostly because he'd been going through a rough time over the past year. His wife had recently divorced him after an affair with his stepbrother. Yikes. He had lost custody of his two children and was just generally he, beyond, like, he was a very soft-spoken guy, but even beyond being soft-spoken, he was just, like, really down and depressed yeah. during the past year. That's, Which, yeah, I yeah. understand. Yeah, he was going through a time. Whew. Nina had listened to him every time he came into the salon. She'd given him pep talks saying, like, it's okay, you can get through this, yeah. you got this, buddy. And she had even taken him out for drinks to try and keep his spirits up. But on this night that he showed up outside of the salon, he looked happy. Yeah. Nina, I can't stay long. I just wanted to stop by and thank you for everything, Michael said. They chatted for a little bit, and Michael even said he was in a really good place now before they parted ways. But the next day... I don't like where this is going. Nina got a call from one of her employees. Michael's body had been found. He had taken his own life <gasps> nine hours before he had appeared at the salon. Oh, no. Yeah. So he just came to be like, thanks for being nice to me. Frick. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about spirits because you were saying that she took him to a... Took oh, him yeah, out to lift his spirits, spirits with alcohol spirits, spirits, and now he was a spirit. spirit. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm sorry I took the wind out of your triple spirit joke. Yikes. All right, you ready for another one? This one's also kind of a downer. I meant to reorganize okay. these, and then I didn't. It's okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll end it with a video game story. Yay! Oh, so this one is called, spoiler alert, The Murdered Boyfriend. Yikes. This was also told to CNN. In the late 60s, Sima Lieberman was dating a man called Johnny. Like Sima, Johnny was a really, like, soft-spoken, gentle hippie. Sure. And he was so kind that his friends often jokingly called him a pushover. Aww. They, Sima and Johnny had recently gotten engaged, and they bought an apartment together. But one night, Sima was at her mom's house when the phone rang. It was Johnny, but his voice sounded weird. Static crackled on the line, and he sounded very far away. I just want you to know that I love you, and I'll never be mean to anybody again, Johnny said quickly. But when Sima tried to ask him what was going on, the line went dead. 
But so, he's supposed to be nice, right? Why would he ever be mean? I know. That's the thing that I, the article did not have yeah. answers for. Oh, it, so I don't it. know. But we can speculate wildly here in a hot second. When Simma tried, or sorry, Simma tried to call Johnny back all night, but she couldn't get him. She couldn't reach him and he wouldn't answer. She finally fell into a worried sleep. Yeah. The next morning, Simma had an unshakably bad feeling and she couldn't explain it. But she felt like Johnny's presence in her life had ended. Oh, God. After a few hours, she found out why when Johnny's mother called her. Johnny had been murdered the previous night, <sighs> shot in the head while he sat in his car. <gasps> he died instantly. And the phone call she received from Johnny had come in after he had been shot, meaning that Johnny called Simba for one last nice moment before moving on. Frick. Yeah. Because, like, as the article pointed out, this was before cell phones. So yeah. It's not like he called her from the car knowing that some shit was possibly yeah. about to go down. And she said in the article, I don't think his murderer would have been like, yeah, go over to the payphone, call your girlfriend, that's fine. Yeah. So. Yeesh. But yeah, I do wonder why he was like, I'll never be mean to anyone ever again. Yeah. That's a weird thing for a crisis apparition to say. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. So. When Video you're, game stories. When you're, so two, I guess two things. One, both of our jacks started playing Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Yes. This weekend. And I don't know how far your Jack got. I'm curious to find out. I don't know details of where he is. He told yeah. me about the bull with the haystacks on his horns that are lit on fire. Oh, I didn't see that part yet. Okay, but, well, but he might have gotten further. I also might have missed it. That's but true. But he also was playing probably all weekend. Maybe? Uh, for of the a chunk of okay. the weekend. So, when we were... I was watching my Jack play it Friday night. Uh -huh. um, and there was one point where we saw these like, kind of like hazy glowing things. And when we got closer... Like you, there were like apparitions of a of a little boy. We find out later is like a main like a major character uh -huh. and like one of his attendees, attendants. But then the game I was thinking of specifically uh -huh. when you said that they come to you in a moment of crisis. Yes, and when and they like might have like a faint glow about them. Uh -huh. In the game, Kingdom Hearts 0.2. Oh my god. Birth by Sleep, a it's fragmentary passage. It's been so long passage. since we've talked about Kingdom Hearts. It's like the reverse where... Well, it's a, a little a little bit of a reverse. The, the main character, Aqua, is trapped in the Dark Realm. Uh -huh. And she's starting to like lose hope and fade fast because she, like, she's been down there for 10 years. Okay. And she starts seeing apparitions of her two best friends. Uh -huh. And they're guiding her kind of forward through the pathway. But later, about like halfway through, one of the apparitions actually starts talking to her and is like, you can see me? You can hear me? And like, it becomes this whole thing. Oh no. Because that spirit is also having its own crisis. Oh. And then the other spirit that's sh like being like shown to her is like in also in a state of, like he's, he's sleeping, he's quiet. So he's in the same state that he is in the real world, but like still you know that he's in danger. So it's and a crisis apparition appearing with a crisis apparition to a crisis apparition. apparition. Yep. So it's three-way crisis apparition. Yeah, I guess she thought she was hallucinating, but then it turns Shit. out they're crisis apparitions. Damn. Yeah. Well, it all comes back to Kingdom Hearts, it as always it always does. does. Yeah, earlier yeah, today, Hakim was saying something like... Yeah, you know, they're, like, I, I can't shake it, you know, you, you're you're a part of me. Because I was asking, or we were talking about, like, if he and Jack, like, feed off of each other's energy. Like, would you guys still be friends if you only met, like, today? Oh, but they yeah. were like, no, but he's, like, a part of me as much as I am a part of him. And I was like, that's a really Kingdom Hearts thing to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> even though I've played my game. You'll never stop playing I'll your game. I will never stop playing my game. Anyway. This has been Kingdom Hearts last five minutes. <laughs> Listen, if you always just give me like a little bit of time. I give you one minute. One minute. That's how much Kingdom you get. Heart. And this For... was like three minutes because I'm okay. very generous. You're very generous. We hope we didn't gross you out too bad. We hope you we cheered you up a little bit about death. It's bleak. It's something that we all have to face. But and we should all talk about a it. Bummer. We should talk about it. We should normalize it. And then it's maybe not so scary. Mm -hmm. Especially if you know you're going to be a tree or you're going to get propped up with a cigarette in your mouth. Or, like, you're going to be put on top of a mountain. Like, there's a lot of cool shit that happens. Like, yeah. live your life. Try not to worry about it too much. Tell your anxiety to go kick rocks. Tell people you love them while you're not a crisis apparition. Yes. While you're still here. Yes. Don't crisis apparate, hopefully, ever. Yeah. Don't, hopefully you don't have a lot of crisis apparitions in your life. But if you've ever had one, email spoophour at gmail.com. Yeah. And we will be coming back at you next, next week. week with another episode. So check back Tuesday. Yeah, keep on spoofing on. Hang in there. And turn around. We're behind you. Ugh.
evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. My name is Adam. And I'm Matt. And we are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like stories of ghosts, hauntings, the paranormal, preternatural, and the downright weird, and you enjoy a few laughs as well, then you should probably check us out. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Come join our Facebook group at Graveyard Tales Podcast or on Twitter at G-R-V-E-Y. Just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. We look forward to seeing you in the graveyard. See you soon. I just want to pause this for just a second. Yeah, yeah, Look yeah. at Juliet's text. Yes! <laughs> is that the what? Which one yeah. is the train? I told her. I told oh, her yeah. that. I was like, there's Nobody only one episode up. you need to watch. Nobody shows up. up. Like, what the fuck did they, they do? No. She killed someone. Or he killed someone. You can just put this up in the episode. That's an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> watch Cheapest Weddings on Netflix. <laughs> it's an Australian show. It's amazing. Anyway. Yeah.